I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hear elevated conversation on crucial issues. Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources. Well, the issue of crime is, of course, taking center stage ahead of next year's presidential election. Democrats particularly are expressing concern about crime and how it could impact their chances in 2024. Uh, Crime is still a big issue for many voters across the country, and in many places they don't think Democrats are handling it all too well. So what is the party doing to assure voters that their safety is important? We want to dig into this. And uh, Theo Mayo is a national political reporter for The Washington Post. He's also the co-author of the Early 202 newsletter there at The Washington Post, and a great way to get a great read as you begin your day. Uh, Theo, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be with you, bud. And so uh, you had a great piece today uh, and uh, looking ahead at uh, crime and where it is and how it's playing. Uh, give us a, a little sense. We know there continues to be uh, more of the Democratic senators uh, joining with the president uh, on a, a GOP bill to block uh, some of the crime initiatives there in D.C. Give us some perspective on that. Yes. So there are two issues here that have sort of cast a spotlight again on this issue and how it might play in 2024. One of them uh, is Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's failure to advance to even the runoff in her re-election race last week. Um, Lightfoot uh, was running for re-election in a race that uh, you know really centered on her handling of crime as well as other issues. The top vote getter in that race uh, was a Democrat uh, who has called for a uh, more aggressive approach. The second, as you mentioned, was this uh, bill that Republicans introduced to block a local uh, District of Columbia uh, rewrite of the criminal code that they have described as soft on crime. Uh, That bill has uh, picked up support from Democratic senators. President Biden said last week that he was on board with it, and that has sort of uh, opened the floodgates toward uh, more Democratic senators coming out in support of it. That's expected to pass tomorrow. And I want to dig into each of those uh, in a little different angle. We've been talking a lot about leadership on the program today in a, in a host of different scenarios. And, and crime is such an interesting one. So let's go back to Chicago uh, and look at uh, Mayor Lightfoot and what happened, what went right. Where did she go radically wrong uh, when it came to crime in Chicago? Well, Lightfoot was unpopular for reasons beyond uh, simply Chicago's crime rate, um, but that certainly contributed to it. Uh, I spoke with David Axelrod, uh, who was a former top advisor to Barack Obama, also a longtime Chicagoan, uh, you know, who told me that there's you know, some deep anxiety out there about public safety and that Democrats or anyone else running for a public office needs to be able to speak to them. Uh, and in your sense in Chicago, uh, and from uh, I, I thought your your piece included that from David Axelrod in, in a great way in terms of there, there's sort of the policy around crime, and then there's sort of the communication strategy around what you're doing and how you're doing it, uh, so that constituents don't have that angst, angst and that dis-ease. Uh, any other lessons there from Chicago in terms of either the policy side or how you're communicating with constituents? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he said it was a, sort of a hard thing to talk about in some ways for Democrats, because in many uh, cities where crime rose during the pandemic, uh, you know, it's gotten a little bit better uh, last year um, than it was in 2021. Certainly not every uh, where, but in Chicago, you know, crime had declined since, uh, you know, peaking in 2021 and declined in 2022. But, um, you know, it was a little tough for Lightfoot to take credit for that. Uh, Axelrod compared Democrats, uh, you know, sort of dilemma in talking about this uh, to the line that Biden has tried to walk on the economy. Mm. Um, You know, voters say that they are unhappy with the economy, even though by a lot of measures it's doing very well. The unemployment rate is historically low. So he said, if you don't, if people don't feel like things are getting better, you can't jawbone them into thinking that they are better. Yeah, and I th- I love that uh, portion of your piece today because it's uh, something we've talked about before. Of you you want to tout the successes, uh, but if it's not congruent with what the citizens are experiencing or feeling at home, uh, then then you have a, a real tough line to 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 get down there. Uh, look at it a little more broadly in terms of uh, the Senate. You also mentioned some of those more vulnerable Democrats uh, also trying to figure out their positioning in terms of what this means for them and, and their reelection. Yeah, the issue has, um, now that it's become clear that this bill is going to pass, uh, you know, the uh, council uh, chairman uh, locally in D.C., uh, you know, tried to pull this bill back, uh, you know, when it became clear that Congress was going to strike it down. That's in some ways sort of lowered the stakes for senators here, uh, you know, voting to, um, you know, scrap this bill after the uh, Democratic council chairman in D.C., um, you know, has uh, said he was withdrawing it uh, after the uh, District of Columbia's Democratic mayor, uh, you know, vetoed this bill. Um, there's not quite as high of stakes as if, uh, you know, this is going to be a very tight vote in the Senate and every vote mattered. So I think pretty much all Democratic senators who uh, are running for re-election or could run for re-election uh, and face at all a competitive race have said that they uh, are going to vote in favor of this Republican bill. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right. Uh, Anything else that you're watching as it relates uh, to crime, whether that's in a a city or at the federal level, uh, that we should expect to see as uh, we march towards the midterms? Well, one big question is what will happen in the, you know, year and a half, more than year and a half 
uh, you know, until the midterms, uh, you know, whether crime uh, and in particular the murder rate uh, will continue to go down in cities across the country uh, as the pandemic recedes uh, or whether it will pick back up again or remain at elevated levels above where it was in 2019 uh, before the pandemic. So in some ways, the way that both Democrats and Republicans talk about this uh, will be dictated by uh, sort of the facts of what is happening. Um, but also there's, you know, sort of a perception issue. A lot of voters concerned about crime live in the suburbs or in, uh, in rural areas where there is actually uh, very low crime. Uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, Theo Myers, a national political reporter for The Washington Post. And, of course, he's a co-author of the early 202 newsletter. Make sure you check that out as well. Uh, Theo, always appreciate your perspective. Great stuff. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Boyd. Uh, really good stuff. And uh, I, I want to go back to one of the things that Theo pointed out uh, in his piece and shared with us, because I, I think this is the tricky part. Uh, this is the leadership quotient on all of this as it relates to crime. And uh, Theo pointed out that in his State of the Union address last month, President Biden called for more resources to reduce violent crime and gun crime, as well as legislation to hold police officers accountable. And and so it's this really fine line in terms of the president uh, talking about one thing and the American people experiencing something else. So it's just a really interesting conundrum for the president uh, and for congressional Democrats to walk through and say, OK, yes, we want to put more resources to reduce violent crime and gun crime. And uh, we also want to crack down uh, on police officers, hold them accountable. Uh, and I actually believe that those things are not mutually exclusive. Let's not make that a fake fight and a false choice. Uh, but it's also important for them to recognize and understand what the American people are feeling and experiencing. And you can't justify that away in a big city like Chicago or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, If the American people don't feel safe, they don't feel safe. And they need to know that someone's working on it, that there's a plan and a strategy, and that there's going to be accountability for delivering results for the American people. That's what you got to have from a leadership standpoint. All right, we'll step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.